message from one of our Sunday celebrations. And you can find out more about Jubilee by visiting our website at www.jubilee.org.uk. So last week, if you were with us, you'll know that we started our new preaching series, which we've called Removing the Rocks. And just like uh, you can get massive rocks or boulders in a river which stop or hinder the flow uh, of a river, you can also get rocks and boulders in your own life spiritually which hinder or stop the flow of the river of God's presence. And the Bible often uses the imagery of a river to talk about uh, the presence of God. And I want you to imagine these rocks, and I'm sure you've seen it, you've seen a a river or another body of water flowing, but it's just hindered, hampered, even stopped perhaps by massive boulders or, or rocks which are in the way. And the same is true in our own lives, isn't it? There are things in our lives that, uh, that hamper, stop, prevent or slow the work of God in our hearts and through us with the flow of his spirits. And so last week we began this series by looking at the rock of unbelief and how that can also then lead to, uh, to cynicism if it's not kept in check and dealt with. And we spent some time looking at that, and um, I'm hoping that the message will be on the website soon, so if you missed it, you can, you can hear it as well. But this morning, we're going to be looking at uh, another rock together, which is the one of fear. Okay? So if you're taking notes, then uh, that's the one that we're, we're looking at this morning, fear. And uh, why don't we pray, and then we'll see what God has for us as we look at this together. Lord Jesus, uh, we want to thank you this morning that you have been speaking to us. Thank you for your presence. Thank you for your closeness. Thank you, Lord, for your words to us already this morning. And we pray now that as we look at your word together, as we open up the scriptures, that you would continue to speak to us, please. Lord, give us hearts that are open to hear from you this morning. We ask it in Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. 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 Fear, then. Okay, fear. Well, fear can be a massive rock in the lives of believers. You can be fearful and afraid about all sorts of things. It might be you're thinking or you have thought maybe, I'm afraid that God doesn't love me anymore. I'm afraid that that my sin is so bad that God can't or won't forgive me. I'm fearful about God not answering my prayers. I'm fearful about the future. I'm scared to step out and trust God. I'm fearful of trusting anybody because people have just let me down so many times. I even find it hard to trust God himself. I'm fearful. I'm afraid of failing, of getting it wrong. Anyone relate to any of those? And There's probably a whole load more as well. Now, my guess is that we can all relate to those at different points in our lives, and maybe for some of you this morning. So if you've got a Bible with me, a Bible with you even, turn with me to Mark chapter 4, please. We're going to look at some some verses together. Mark chapter 4, 
verse 35, we'll start reading that. Mark chapter 4, verse 35. That day when evening came, Jesus said to his disciples, let us go over to the other side. Leaving the crowd behind, they took him along, just as he was in the boat. There were also other boats with him. A furious squall came up and the waves broke over the boat so that it was nearly swamped. Jesus was in the stern, sleeping on a cushion. The disciples woke him and said to him, Teacher, don't you care if we drown? He got up, rebuked the wind and said to the waves, Quiet, be still. Then the wind died down and it was completely calm. He said to his disciples, why are you so afraid? Do you still have no faith? They were terrified and asked each other, who is this? Even the wind and the waves obey him. It's a passage in the Gospels that you may be familiar with or maybe not. Maybe you've heard it many times. But I think there are some lessons for us from this passage this morning that we can learn about dealing with this rock of fear. Now the disciples are clearly afraid, aren't they? They are clearly facing fear things on this occasion. They were terrified, we're told in verse 41. This is a serious storm. This is no just a little bit of light winds. This is a, this is a serious storm and they are Scared. I mean, have you ever been on a on a lake when suddenly a, a storm suddenly um, arises? It seems from nowhere, and the wind and the waves start going. We're told this sort of squall suddenly came up, and the disciples are terrified. We we took out a summer holiday this year in the Lake District, and uh, as you do in the Lake District, or as, as I like to do. We took a boat out on one occasion on Lake Windermere, which I thought would be a good idea. And uh, at the time, and there was a little bit of rain, but it wasn't too bad. The water looked quite calm. And uh, it, wasn't a, it wasn't a rowing boat. Um, it was a motorboat. And Now, I'm not talking sort of powerboat type size here. It's a little, little motorboat. And so we get into said motorboat and the... Uh, the place we hire it from said, oh, it's, it's a brand new boat, It'll do you well? And, oh, yeah, it looks, looks very nice. And so we take it out, and the water's lovely and calm, and I'm there driving the boat. So is that driving the right word? What do you do to a boat? You don't really sail it, not with a, not with a pilot. Okay, so I'm, thank you, I'm piloting this boat. And um, the water's lovely and calm, and it's great, and the kids have a go at the steering wheel. They're always taking photos. It's all good looking at the scenery. It's like Windermere, lovely. And then suddenly, it starts to get a bit choppy. And we're in the middle of Lake Windermere, and um, it starts to get really choppy. And the boat starts to go up and down like this. And suddenly there's a bit of wind that's, that's whipping up. And we're, we're right in the middle of the lake. It's not like we're near the side and can just sort of pull in and park. You can tell I'm good at this, this boat thing, can't you? Park, dock. There we are. 
more up, okay? So I'm piloting and mooring up. You can tell how well this is going. It gives you a good idea of how experienced I am on the water. And so suddenly this, this wind and waves start to come, and the boat's starting to go like this. And the, and the kids are starting to get, Daddy, what's happening? I'm like, well, I don't know. And then I do something. What do you expect me to do? We're in the middle of Lake Windermere. Suddenly the wind starts to, 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 to wrap up and uh, then the waves are starting to go. And the kids are saying, Daddy, do something. I'm like, like what? And I remember this verse. thinking, I'm not sure about this. But <laughs> I'm thinking, I'm praying as hard as I can pray. Guys, be still. Be, be quiet. I'm thinking in my head, Lord, it worked for you. <laughs> this is only Lake Windermere. <laughs> and um, the water's not coming in yet, but a boat's going like this. We were scared. We were scared. Now, actually, it wasn't that bad, really. We didn't have a lot of experience, as you can tell, in piloting boats or docking them when we're finished with them. The disciples were experienced fishermen. They knew what they were doing on water. They knew what it was like to sail from one side to the other. They had done it countless times before. This was not an unusual exercise for them. It was not a holiday activity. That was just like everyday work. We'll go from one side to the other. Okay, and off they go. But Scripture tells us they were terrified. This must have been some serious storm. But Jesus, what's he doing? He's asleep. He's not panicking. He's not getting worked up about the wind and the waves and the boat nearly getting swamped and his friends getting all stressed out about it. He's asleep. He's quite peaceful. Even though there is chaos going on around him, Jesus knew peace. And so terrified, the disciples wake him up. I was thinking about this this week as I was preparing. I was thinking, I wonder how they woke him up. Do you think it would have been a gentle sort of, Jesus, sorry to wake you. you, Jesus, I know you're asleep, sorry to wake you. Or do you think it would have been more, Jesus, don't you realise we're about to drown? Can't you do something? It would not have been a gentle, would you mind waking up? They were panicking, they were scared, they were terrified. The boat was nearly swamped. Don't you care if we drown? They accused Jesus. And so he gets up, he rebukes the wind so it becomes calm. He rebukes his disciples for their lack of faith. Why are you so afraid? Do you still have no faith? He says to them. So the winds and the waves calm down and they continue safely on their journey. So what can we learn about this whole area and issue of fear? Number one, listen to what Jesus says to you. Write this one down if you're taking notes. Listen listen to what Jesus says to you. Do you notice what he said in verse 35? It's so easy to miss it. Jesus says to his disciples, let us go over to the other side. His intention was to go from one side to the other. Why were they so afraid? Jesus had already made it clear what the plan was. We're going to go from here to there. Okay? 
So he knew what was going on. And he knew that they would get there safely. That was his plan. The disciples should have been secure in it. We're going to go from here to there. Okay? But they were scared. They were terrified. They allowed fear to rule their hearts. They allowed circumstances to rule their mind, not what Jesus had already said. Number one, listen to what Jesus says to you. Number two, don't, number two, don't be afraid to rebuke the storm. I think too often we can have conversations with storms rather than rebuke them. Now, I'm not talking literal storms now. Talking about things around us that come in against us and we face in our lives. We can end up having conversations with them rather than rebuking them. Jesus didn't have a conversation with the storm. You don't have a conversation with a storm in that moment when the boat's going down, do you? You just rebuke it. That's what he did. How many of us have felt so overwhelmed by our circumstances that fear paralyzes us? We don't quite know what to do. Don't be afraid to rebuke the storm. And number three, don't look at the storm. Look at the saviour. You see, it's not the size of the storm that's an issue here. It's the size of your God. Are you looking at the, si- at the storm or the saviour? The disciples were dealing with a massive rock of fear in their own hearts. Or rather, Jesus was dealing with a massive rock of fear in the hearts of the disciples. And this is how he was dealing with it. He dealt with it by allowing them to be tested by allowing certain circumstances to come around them so that what was in their hearts was revealed. You see, sometimes you don't quite know what's inside until the pressure's on, do you? It's not until pressure comes that you really know what's inside. So what's in your heart? I remember somebody saying once that you don't know what's inside a lemon until you squeeze it. You're not certain you're going to get lemon juice until you apply pressure and squeeze it. What's in your heart? What's in your heart? Is there a rock of fear that's stopping you moving forward with the Lord? Do you feel swamped, paralysed by this rock? Don't look at the storm, look at the Saviour. There's another occasion in a boat also where Jesus got to expose the disciples' hearts. In Matthew 14, this time the disciples had gone ahead of Jesus. They were in the boat and Jesus wasn't. And so to catch them up, if you can read, you can read the passage in Matthew 14 at a later time, to catch them up, Jesus walks on the water this time. The disciples have gone ahead of him there in the boat. He thinks, I'll catch them up, I'll just walk on the water to meet them. And so he does. And they're terrified once again. Now, I can understand it on this occasion because they probably weren't used to people joining them in the middle of the water by walking to get there. I can understand their hearts on this occasion. I I think I would have been terrified as well. They think it's a ghost. And Jesus tells them not to be afraid. It's quite humorous in some ways, isn't it, really? He's just walked across the water to join them. Hey, don't be afraid. Imagine what's going on in their heads at this point. Jesus tells them not to be afraid. And Peter, remember the impetuous one, asks if he too can walk on the water. 
Matthew 14, verse 28. Lord, if it's you, Peter replied, tell me to come to you on the water. Come, he said. Then Peter got down out of the boat, walked on the water, and came towards Jesus. But when he saw the winds, he was afraid, and beginning to sink, cried out, Lord, save me. Immediately Jesus reached out his hand and caught him. You have little faith, he said. Why did you doubt? At the first reading of the passage, you would expect Jesus, wouldn't you, to commend Peter for his faith. Now, Peter, well done. You got out of the boat. You walked on water. Well done, Peter. That's what you'd expect, isn't it? I mean, after all, where were the rest of the disciples? They weren't trying this water walking, ex- water walking exercise. They were sitting in there in a boat, still getting their heads around the fact it wasn't the ghost, but it was Jesus that had walked towards them. Peter's the one who got out of the boat saying, Lord, can I do this too? Jesus says, yeah, come. And he does, he gets to walk on water. The disciple, the rest of them, just stayed in the boat and watched. And Matthew tells us that when Peter saw the wind, he was afraid, he was fearful. And he began to sink. And immediately Jesus reaches out his hand to save him. Our English translation has, you of little faith, why did you doubt? The more literal translation has Jesus calling Peter, little faith. Like a name, like a humorous nickname, if you will. Little faith, why did you doubt? Little faith, what what went wrong in your hearts? I wonder, would Jesus call us little faith? Peter had stepped out, but in a moment of panic, fear gripped his heart. He took his eyes off Jesus and began to sink. Anyone else relate to this? Another manifestation of this rock of fear is being fearful about what other people think of you. Fear of man, we can call it sometimes. And it can be paralysing. You can be paralysed by what other people, or what you think other people think about you. It's a rock of fear. It needs to go. It needs to go. So what's the way then of dealing with this rock of fear? If you can identify with any of these things, or maybe others that we've talked of this morning, how do you deal with it? What's the way through? How do you get rid of this rock? Number one, love. Firstly, it's receiving God's love. 1 John chapter 4, verse 18 says this. There is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear. For fear has to do with punishment, and whoever fears has not been perfected in love. Perfect love casts out fear. The picture that came to mind as I was reading that this week was about light and darkness. See, where there is light, there cannot be darkness, can there? As soon as you, if you're in a dark room, as soon as you switch the torch on, there's light. The darkness goes. You can't have light and dark coexisting in the same space at the same time. You can have darkness around it, but where there's light, there isn't darkness because there's light there. 
That's what what we're reading here. Perfect love casts out fear. It's the same. So number one is receive God's love, his perfect love. Allow him to cast out fear. Secondly, number two, is knowing that you're a son or daughter. Now, for years, I thought that the way of dealing with fear was to have more confidence. That's how I thought you got through in it. I thought the way I'm going to tackle fear, things that I could get fearful about, is simply be more confident, maybe more proficient, maybe practice more, maybe just over, try and overcome my fear somehow, get more confident about something. If I'm more confident, I thought, I'll be less fearful. If I know my Bible better, I'll be less fearful. Friends, let me tell you, that's not the answer. Being confident is good. Knowing your Bible is very good. But neither will deal with this rock of fear. It's not the way through. The way that you'll smash up this rock is if you have a proper understanding of who you are and who your father is. It's if you know who you are and know who your father is, that is what will conquer this rock of fear. Romans 8 Verse 15, Paul says this, For you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption as sons, by whom we cry, Abba, Father. It's good, isn't it? You're a son. You're a son. Now, I know, ladies out there, you're thinking, but I'm a daughter. That's true. Let me just make a comment about being a son. In Jewish law at the time, it was the son that had the inheritance. It was the the son that got the the benefits like that, uh, the inheritance of being in his father's family. So I know it's it's truth to say you're a daughter of God, and I want to encourage you to think like that as well. But don't miss what the Bible says about being sons. Don't just think, oh, it doesn't apply to me. Actually, it does apply to you. You're a son as well, if you understand what I'm saying. Yes. So, ladies, you're a son and a daughter. Guys, we're just sons. So I guess I get a bonus there. But do you understand what I mean? That's what Paul's talking about here. He's not about saying you're a son or daughter. He's talking about adoption into God's family. He's talking about inheritance that we receive as sons. It's wonderful truth, isn't it? For you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption as sons. By whom we cry, Abba, Father. At the beginning of the book of Joshua, God speaks to Joshua and gives him some instructions. Anybody remember what he says? Be strong and courageous. Be strong and very courageous. Be strong and courageous. Do not be terrified. Do not be discouraged. Why? Anybody remember? Because the Lord, your God, will be with you wherever you go. Okay, old worship song spot. Ready? (laughs) This week is this one. Be bold, be strong, for the Lord, your God, is with you. Some of you are going to be singing that all week now, and they're going to be blessing me every time you think about it. Enjoy. So why should Joshua be confident? Is it in his ability? Is it in his history? No! 
It's in the Lord. He can be bold and strong because God is on his side. He has a father and he is a son. That's why he can be bold and courageous. Let's think of another Old Testament character on our swift overview of the Old Testament this morning. Gideon. So here's Gideon hiding out in a wine press. Seems like a good place to stay. That's a whole other. Anyway, hiding out in a wine press, <laughs> scared of Israel's enemies, and the angel of the Lord comes to him and says, "The Lord is with you, mighty warrior." You can imagine Gideon looking around, going, um, "Is there somebody else here? Um, you got, got the wrong person." He's not a mighty warrior. He's hiding out in a wine press, dead scared. Now Gideon replies you know, in, in Judges 6, oh, what about this and that and the other? But that doesn't change anything. God has spoken. And the angel of the Lord speaks destiny over Gideon. Why? Because of who his father is. We can speak destiny over one another because of who our father is. It's not about making up nice platitudes that sound good. It's about speaking out what heaven says about us as sons, as daughters. So listen up. This rock of fear is going to be smashed up this morning. The Lord is coming. He's going to smash some rocks of fear that's in your heart. Now, when a rock smashes, it makes a mess. Bits of rock go everywhere. There is probably a technical term for bits of rock. But you know what I mean. You smash a big rock up, it makes a mess. Bits get everywhere. So it may take some time to clean up the mess of the bits of rock of fear. And they can get everywhere. And they get sort of dug into our lives and they sometimes need the Lord to do a bit of surgery on us to remove them. But it starts with a rock being smashed being broken. Now I believe that's what the Lord wants to do this morning. is to break this rock of fear in people's hearts. Do you remember what Jesus said as we begin to wrap up to the synagogue ruler Jairus when his daughter had died? Do you remember? Everything around looked awful. It seemed that there was no hope. Even her last breath of life had gone. What does Jesus say? Don't be afraid. Just believe. Don't be afraid. Just believe. So when everything around you has gone wrong, where you don't know where to turn, when the last drop of hope has left you, what does Jesus say? Don't be afraid. Just believe. This rock of fear that has stopped you moving on with God, it's on its way up. The rock of fear that has stopped you trusting the Lord with your finances, it's coming down. Fear can be crippling, but this morning God wants to bring freedom. And some of you have struggled with fear, maybe when it comes to things like praying for the sick. You're thinking, well, if they're not healed, what will I do then? What if God doesn't answer my prayer? And you've become so fearful about it, you've backed off. 
Some of you have struggled with a rock of fear, worrying about what other people think about you. You're constantly caught in it. God wants to break it this morning. Maybe you've been so caught up in a rock of fear, unable to move forward with things because you're so fearful and scared about what could happen. God wants to break it. Fear that has bound you with your finances, stopped you, it seems, from giving to the Lord and uh, and enjoying his blessing and favour and enjoying the, the joy that comes from giving. This is a fear that's held you back. God wants to break it this morning. God wants to deal with that in your heart this morning. Is his word earlier about freedom from guilt, freedom from fear. What will happen when you sin? You come to God and repent, saying, He forgives you. He forgives you. So this rock of fear is on its way out. Those of you who have lived in Derby any length of time will be familiar with the, uh, the wonderful um, multi-storey tower that was the Wilderslow Tower at the hospital. Do you remember it, Tim? What floor? What floor? Fifth floor. It was really quite something, wasn't it, of architecture. Quite what that something was, nobody knows. But just recently, you may have seen they began to knock it down. Now, I was really hoping that they were going to blow it up. Because I thought that would have been fun. You know, I'd have loved to have pressed the button. You know, you see tower blocks come down. That wasn't the way that they were going to get this down. They were knocking at it and smashing it. And as they, and I watched them do it, I stood there watching. There was a bit of a crowd that gathered. And we were, we were just watching this tower begin to... Tr- crumble, begin to come down as it was bashed by this huge basher, or whatever, that's a technical term. It's a technical term, okay, I haven't just made that up. This huge basher, say it confidently, people believe you, that was attacking this tower and picking bits off and smashing it to pieces. And you could watch it come down over a few days, over a few weeks, we saw it come down. And attacked and bashed and bits are broken off it. That's what God wants to do this morning in some of your hearts. And you might think, I'm not sure how I feel about God bashing at me. Listen, he's not bashing at you. He's not attacking you. What's going is a rock of fear. It has no place in your life. It has no place in your heart. It's not meant to be there. It's like a foreign body that needs to come out. And this morning God wants to do some work on our hearts. So perhaps the band could come up. I'm going to pray. I thought it would be good to, um, to sing together as a response. And uh, I've asked Naomi if we can sing that song again. We learned a little bit earlier. So I just feel it fits in so well with what we've been talking about. And once again this morning, uh, in a moment, I'm going to ask you to, to come and respond with me. And if you want God to meet you this morning and deal with this rock of fear, then you come and and stand with me along the front and we're going to pray. Because I believe God wants to do some rock bashing this morning. There's some rocks of fear that need to go from people's hearts. It might be a big rock or it might be a small rock. Actually, if it's impeding the flow of the Spirit in your life, 
If it's getting in the way of what God wants to do, it has no place to be there. It needs to go. So let's stand together. I'm going to pray. We're going to sing this song together. And if you'd like us to pray with you this morning, then you come and join me and uh, we'll be able to do that uh, in just a moment. Let's pray. Father, we want to thank you this morning that you are a God who loves to remove fear. Thank you, Lord, that perfect love casts out fear. And we say this morning, let your perfect love flow in Jesus' name. And Father, I want to pray now for myself and my brothers and sisters this morning. I say, Lord, help us now to respond to you. Help us to come to you and allow you to work in our lives. Allow you to work in our hearts. That fear might go in Jesus' name. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. Let's, Let's worship. And if you'd like us to pray with you this morning, and this rock of fear to go, then you come as we sing. Thanks for listening to this Jubilee Church podcast. Feel free to check out our website at www.jubilee.org.uk and come along on any Sunday morning.